Hello there, and welcome to Women of Grit, a podcast that holds space for women to have authentic conversations about our intersectional challenges and where we elevate women's voices, celebrate their strengths, and honor their resilience. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, the Gritpreneur and Woman of Grit. Come on in. We saved a seat at the table for you. Today's guest is a lifelong writer and intuitive healer who has been crafting stories since she was just eight years old. From picture books on index cards to her first typewriter, her passion for writing has evolved alongside her current role as a Reiki master and Akashic Records reader. She is also a meditation and mindfulness facilitator and a yoga teacher with specialization in prenatal and children's yoga. Join us for an enlightening conversation with our guest, Michelle Rose Kennedy, and discover the power of storytelling, Reiki energy, and spiritual connection in navigating personal growth and embracing a transformative path. So without wasting any more time, let's welcome Michelle Rose Kennedy to Woman of Grit podcast. Hi, Michelle. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing so well, and I am so happy to be with you tonight. Great. This interview has been on the books while now. So I just can't wait. I'll dive right into it. So I have my signature question kind of to break the ice a little bit. If you had to choose between passion or perseverance, which would you choose and why? There is no right answer. For me, I have to say that they kind of can't be separated because perseverance only comes out of passion. Um, that that burning desire is what gives you the drive to persevere. So I think that for me too, in my entire life, it's always been about, well, I guess passion starts the, the ball rolling, but perseverance only can be for stuff that you're passionate about. So for me, they are very intertwined. Nice. So I mentioned in the introduction that you are a Reiki master. And I actually had to go online and listen to the correct pronunciation of it. So if I say it incorrectly, please correct me. What is Reiki spirituality? So you have pronounced it correctly. Thank you. Thank Very you. good. Um, Reiki is a practice. Um, there's all kinds of definitions on the internet and a lot of them compare it to meditation, but it's more like a Reiki practitioner or a Reiki master is holding space for another person um, and allowing the highest form of pure energy to create healing space for that person. Basically, to give you the opportunity to release what is not of for or of your highest good and allow energy to come in that is of your highest good and highest life force. And a practitioner is there basically holding the space for this to happen. Um, so it is and can be a very spiritual experience. However, I have worked with people who are um, more atheist or, or skeptical and that they have 
experience something energetic, even though they may not believe in a spiritual higher power, that they have felt something happen and recognize that it was a positive experience for them. Excellent. Well, thank you for that answer. But you're also an Akashic Records reader. And I have to confess, I looked that up to you and I listened. So what what are Akashic Records? I, I actually had never heard of them before I read your bio and I quickly looked up um, what, what they were. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to go deep into it. I'm going to lean on you to, to, to let me and the, uh, the listeners know what Akashic Records are. Sure. I am happy to talk about it. This is definitely more on the spiritual side. Mm-hmm. Um, Akashic Records are basically this system of, some people call it a library, um, of every soul's history. Every lifetime we may have lived, every piece of karma or karmic contract that we carry from lifetime to lifetime, or even just in this lifetime, as well as our ancestral history and potential futures. So um, that I see them more as like, um, like movies often or snapshots, not necessarily like a book. If it's a book, it's more of a picture book for me, but it's different for everyone who connects. But yes, that each of us has these records that tell a story of who we are as a soul and what's going on in our life now, what our purpose is, what's the potential for us. Nice. Thank you for that explanation. So what comes to mind then is that as as an Akashic Records reader, is it something that you study? Obviously, you can study to get better, but is there like a baseline intuitive in other words you do you don't seek it out it finds you how how does one is it something like you say okay i want to be an akashic uh, records reader i go study for it is that is, is that the way it works or is it more you have a gift is what i'm trying to say <laughs> yes and it actually can go it can you can travel both or either pathway. So there are people who teach how to read the Akashic Records. Um, I have been working on putting together my own class, but my experience was a gift that developed over time that it was present and let itself be known different times in my life. But once I was attuned to Reiki, it blew up and amplified. And I thought that it was just Reiki. I thought that was just part of Reiki. But then I learned years later that that's something different and something special. And Reiki doesn't always do that. In fact, I reached out on so many different message boards on so many different platforms and found out that's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like from from my experience, it was a gift that Reiki helped develop because I connected with something in my Akashic records as an energy healer and it woke that up in me. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that explanation. I was just a little curious about that. So I'm just going to pivot a little bit and talk about some techniques to reduce anxiety. In my own story, I wrote a book and I talk about being in a difficult relationship. And once I exited the relationship, I took anxiety with me. I developed anxiety and panic attacks. And at one time, I was even on medication. And I started doing some work on myself. Eventually, 
I was able to get off medication. Clearly, there was a period in which I needed the medication um, because I did not really have any other coping mechanisms. But once I started doing work on myself, meditation, mindfulness, I was able to get off the medication. But then also I have to confess the main source of my anxiety and the panic attacks receded. So that was also helpful in my journey. What are three anxiety reduction techniques that do not necessarily involve medication that you can share with with us? Maybe there's a listener out there who is dealing with anxiety like I did and doesn't want to want medication at this point. What are three anxiety reduction techniques that you can share with us? Sure. Um, I actually have a bunch in my in my book, um, but one of my favorite go-tos for anxiety is to go back to your breath. Being aware of what happens when we get anxious, our breaths get very short and shallow and quick, and that adds to the anxiety and the anxious feeling and also gives us a physical response that our body starts sending out stress hormones and all of this anxiety amplifies. Mm -hmm. So even if you take three breaths, it brings back down to a calmer state. And of course, if you're in an anxiety attack, it's very hard to come back from that. But a lot of us start to learn our, our triggers and the f- sensations in our body of when it's coming on. So if you catch it in that early point, breathing in deeply and breathing out slower than the inhale. So ideally, it's the inhale is half of this, the length as the exhale. So if you're breathing in for four, you're exhaling for eight. But not everybody can do that. And sometimes the counting, even for me, gets <laughs> brings more anxiety. So as long as it's a little longer, like you breathe in for four and you exhale for six, that lengthened exhale brings down your blood pressure, brings down those stress, helps re-regulate the body and can really catch you before you get into an anxious state. Right. Another thing that I love to do for feeling anxious, which when we feel anxious, some of us feel like we're dissociating or we kind of lose the space of our body. And so hugging yourself can be very grounding and also help with that anxiety, um, the feelings of anxiety. In fact, I'm all for going in the full fetal position if you have access to a space to do that. Because when you bring your space in and you have more awareness of the parameters and the borders of your body, you are in control of that space and of your body. And so it can reduce that sense of anxiety. It's, it's part of how and why I think that so many people beyond neurodivergent people that weighted blankets help with anxiety because it's right. that sensation of being held, being, knowing the borders of your body. Um, and with that hug comes in a tapping aspect or a touch aspect, which is alternating hands on the arms padding, which okay. helps the brain come back to center and re-regulate as well. And I often used to do this in my yoga classes um, to help people kind of come down from wherever they are when they walked in the room. Um, So that's another one. In fact, you may have some people say the butterfly um, on the chest with the thumbs crisscrossed and the hands tapping, Mm -hmm. which can work too. And that's actually hitting particular acupressure 
point. But I also love the hug because it's a little more, I mean, who doesn't need a hug? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Even if you're hugging yourself. Hugging yourself. Absolutely. And you talking about the weighted blanket and anxiety. There was one thing I always used to wonder. You know, I have a teenager and he's not the only one. I noticed other teenagers especially during the pandemic around that period. I just, I don't know if I just noticed it more around that time. It is 90 degrees and they have a hoodie. And I was like, what's going on? And I saw this article. I'm not sure if it was a journal, but this guy literally was talking about my kid. He was talking about his kids in hoodies. And he suggested that it was a way that these young people were coping with the stresses, you know, in the pandemic. It was almost like a hug, you know, just I, I couldn't understand it. But when I read his article, I thought I was the only one who had a teenager who would wear a hoodie in the summertime. It's just something they do. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it makes a lot of sense. In fact, I am a sweater or a hoodie person, depending on what environment I'm in. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even mm -hmm. thinking of, um, I have uh, a 20 something um, nephew who has like the squishy things, you know, the squishy pillows, like, and has had them through childhood into adulthood. And I think that it's one of those things, you know, it's the security blanket, whatever your, right. right, your comfort is. And hoodies and big oversized sweatshirts can be so great. I mean, I know my teenage daughter, the bigger, the better, like yeah. <laughs> she could pull her knees underneath, and, you know, be fetal inside the, the yes. sweatshirt. So yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense that it is their form of self-care, self-comfort. I'm glad I'm not alone. You are definitely not. <laughs> yeah. So your expertise extends beyond Reiki, encompassing meditation, mindfulness, and yoga. How do these practices complement each other in supporting individuals through physical, emotional, and spiritual transitions? Great question. Great question. I actually started with yoga, which I feel, mm -hmm. feel like was a great kind of doorway into like a gateway drug, like a gateway. Yes. Into gateway Reiki. to mindfulness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, because the physical was so wonderful. Right. And then I went to teacher training, which gave me so much about philosophy and breath work and meditation. And I really took to all those deeper aspects of it, like meditation and mindfulness and, and restorative yoga and how it really affects the body, mind and spirit. And then, you know, pathway opened and, and Reiki found me down the way. And it fit at that point because I had heard about Reiki way before that and thought it was too woo-woo out there. Woo -woo. <laughs> um, but it found me, you know, I think if things find you at different points in time and you're either ready or not. And I wasn't ready right. before, but I was ready after. And so most of my clients originally started as my yoga students and there was a trust there. And they said, hey, I do this also. And then they were willing and open to it. Um, and I, you know, and then as that grew more, 
the Reiki definitely was an opportunity for yoga, meditation, mindfulness. So some clients that I work with have very severe PTSD or CTSD. And Mm -hmm. so in between sessions, I would give them some breath work to do or give them an affirmation or record a meditation for them to work on um, something active to help them through their day or their anxiety or whatever it may be coming up for them. So I think that everything kind of fit well together in helping. And then the Akashic Records also fit into the 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 trauma because it was an opportunity for me to connect to their trauma from that past time where they may not even remember they can't say mm-hmm. well here was my trauma and i am messed up because of that like they know something happened in their childhood but mm-hmm. not what and so through okay. the akashic records i could connect to that trauma and start the healing there with their okay. inner child so to speak okay well i met my inner child about two weeks ago nice it, it was it was it was my shower moment um where there was obviously some trauma there but for the first time I had a conversation with her you know I told her she was safe I told her I was here and I could protect her and so many things have happened since then my out of control eating has kind of subsided and it's subtle but it's noticeable. So yeah, coming into what's the word I'm looking for? Just meeting that inner inner child. I think it's super important. So if you if if there's a listener, we just talked about um, mindfulness, uh, yoga, meditation. If there's a listener who's who is maybe thinking of incorporating those practices, could you share some? practical tips or techniques for just incorporating them into into daily life? Yes. Um, In fact, I'm so glad you asked that because so many people think that meditation is something they can't do or access. Meditation doesn't mean that you have nothing on your mind and that you clear your mind and you're just completely still. There are moving meditation. So runners, are in a meditative state when they run. This is part of their high or, you know, um, the endorphins and the and the dopamine and all that rising up in them also because they are just in the present moment. They are just, every step is, is kind of a pulse and a meditation. So meditation can be just acknowledging those many thoughts that get in our way, but still staying with your breath or focusing on a color or focusing on a sound. So um, I love to say, think about what your favorite place is, right? Is your favorite place the ocean? Then listen to a track of the ocean or go on YouTube, like totally doesn't need to cost you anything to do it. Listen to oceans. You like birds, listen to the birds, Find, find the track that works for you. White noise, brown noise, blue noise, pink noise, green noise, all the different colors of noise um, can be soothing to different people. So being with something that is soothing to you and then acknowledging the thoughts, but not allowing them to control you, right? Because we, I am a fellow overthinker. There's many of us out there, right? Especially people who have, uh, you know, get into those anxious places, we overthink. So I am very aware that my thoughts are going to be there. So when I meditate, I thought may pop in. 
a worry may pop in and I'm like, oh, okay, but I'm here meditating. And so I don't let it get out of control and send me into a spiral. Um, so I also like to say, go out in nature, wherever you are, you know, even if you're in the city, go to the park, go stand on a patch of grass or lean on a tree and just breathe with that tree or breathe sitting down on that grass and just be aware of what's around you. Right. And you can be in the city and have city sounds be meditative, you know, mm-hmm. um, people screaming, cars beeping horns, like there are sounds that don't have to be stressful, even if they may normally be stressful. Mm-hmm. It can be like, oh, just like your thoughts, like, oh, there's a fire uh, truck going by, or, you know, my neighbors are yelling, here I am with my breath. And mm-hmm. I don't have to be affected by that. I don't have to fall into that anxious state um, that right. we can meditate amongst whatever it may be. Um, right. I, I taught um, I, I taught a lot of prenatal yoga in my history of teaching yoga. And I especially loved working with them because labor is a very anxious inducing state. It is very right. stressful. And so I would often say, um, you know, the same things. Listen to a track of the ocean. Think about your happy place. It was your happy place on your wedding day, on your your honeymoon or wherever it may be that, you know, right. is your happy place. It could be a chair. You know, for me, I used to have a favorite chair and I used to just imagine myself or be sit in my favorite chair. But now I imagine it because it's long gone. <laughs> but um, just right. to feel that space of safety and comfort and chillax. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you're an author and your book, Hold Space, Affirmations and Meditations for Healing and Loving Yourself, provides valuable tools for self-care and personal growth. Can you share some key affirmations or meditations from the book that have resonated deeply with your readers and, you know, whoever else has listened to you and why you believe that they're particularly powerful. If you could share uh, just one or two, a couple with, with, with me and the listeners. Sure. Um, well, it's so hard, you know, when, you, when yes. you've written something to pick, pick one thing. Um, it's like picking a favorite child. <laughs> um, so let's see. I'm going to say there's one affirmation that's kind of like a meditation. So I'm going to pick that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this particular one, the title of it was almost the title of the book, but it didn't fit because the whole book does not have a lot of um, um, cuss words in it. But this particular one does. So I'm just going to do the initial because I, I don't know how family friendly your podcast is, but just to be polite to everyone. So this particular affirmation is called manifest the F out of your life. I release all energy of doubt and unworthiness. I release all limiting beliefs and programming from all sources of fear and negativity. F the haters and the critics. I forgive the judgment. It is not mine to pick up. I reclaim my power over my creativity and free myself from any creative blocks. I embrace all the creative energy and feminine passion within me. I embrace my quirks and my weird. 
as well as my strength. I am exactly who I need to be. I am worthy of my dreams. The world needs me and the creations I share. I look forward with hope, confidence, and purpose. I am safe and steady. I am here for a reason. I am inspired. I visualize what I want and place it safely, surrounded by love, in the future. I know it is so then and can take steps every day to bring myself closer to that truth. I am confident that talent, faith, and work will bring my desired outcome or better as the universe sees fit. I am ready to share all of my gifts and my true self with the world so that we may all rise up to be our greatest selves and fill the world with love and light. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. And that is from her book, Hold Space, Affirmations and Meditations for Healing and Loving Yourself. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So how can we create a nurturing space within ourselves to facilitate healing and self-love as you discussed in your book, Hold Space? Amazing question. Um, So yes, I think that there are three places in the body that we should be mindful of to help us with self-love as well as creativity of self, right? Recreating Mm -hmm. the self. Um, There are energetically three brains and three hearts in our body. We have our actual heart and our actual brain, but we also have the heart brain and we also have the gut brain, right? And all three of those spaces also have hearts. Now our brain often is that negative voice inside and may give us, you know, the limiting beliefs and may shout at us things that tell us not to do something or may be the critic. That voice is coming from a space of inner child fear, right? Mm -hmm. So when we show that space, love and compassion and recognize where it's coming from, that it's not necessarily truth, but it's coming from that child voice within the self, that limiting beliefs from you know, a parent, it may be a parent's voice or a teacher's voice or a grandparent or some other elder that said things. When you can recognize that, you can show love to your inner child. You can show love to your, your voices of your past. Then the heart, all wisdom comes through with the heart, the heart space. So that's where that love goes up and then the love goes down and, and into our gut is where our intuition lives and we can decide is this voice up here in our head, the voice I want to listen to, is that my truth or is it something else? And when we listen to our gut, our intuition, sometimes the, the ideas, the visions, the suggestions that our gut gives us, the yeses that our gut gives us may be scary, but there's always something in that gut that's like, yes. And it often has passion, drive or fire or feeling very pulled to say yes, even if the brain may be telling us no, or those limiting beliefs may be telling no. So it's all about aligning that head, heart, and gut to really understand the truth and create that space for you, your best possible self, that we don't have to be guided by or listen to those limiting beliefs that, you know, parents, partners, whoever may have told us that's not our truth, or maybe not our truth anymore, right? 
and that our gut can tell us to do things or suggest readings that are scary. I remember when I got my first office in the city that everything in my head logically was telling me it was not the right time, but my Mm -hmm. gut pushed me forward and said, yes, this is the space. This is the time. And I did and it worked and it grew and it was amazing. And I have no regrets over that because it was the right time and the right space. And I followed my gut and my heart and I soothed my head (laughs) of all of that. So it's about bringing those three spaces into alignment and the heart and self-love really the the way to get there. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. So Next month, I am giving a talk to a group of women about the importance of self-forgiveness. In our personal growth and development journeys, I struggled with my own personal growth moving forward until I recognized that I was holding certain things against me. I, I had not forgiven myself for choices I had made and even those choices I had not made. So once I really did the work, the self-forgiveness piece, I noticed an acceleration in my own personal growth and development journey. So of course, I noticed um, that forgiveness and self-compassion are highlighted as important aspects of healing and self-love in your book. Could you share some practical strategies or even exercises for cultivating forgiveness and self-compassion that our listeners could take with them, maybe one or two things that you could share with us, especially during difficult periods? Is there something that could help a listener who may be struggling? Definitely. And and thank you for bringing that up because there is a lot about that in the book because we we do struggle to forgive ourselves and others, right. but more ourselves than anybody else. And I think guilt and shame are the really big roadblocks to forgiveness of ourselves. Um, and the, the biggest roadblock of those two emotions is reminder and recognition that we are only human and we make mistakes and we can only do the best that we can at that time. Hindsight we can look back and say, why did I do that? Why did I do that all that time? Why did I stay? All that, whatever the, the problem is that we can't forgive. We have to make allowances that we don't always see the whole picture till much later on. Right. And so we can only make the best choices at that time and how we feel at that time um, and what so many factors are involved. So self-forgiveness is really um it's part letting go. It's part letting go of um, the need to punish ourselves, right? That um, guilt and shame can have a place in our lives, but we have to acknowledge them, embrace them and not punish ourselves for them. And so that's a big part of being able to forgive. Like here I am now, now I know better and I am going to do better because I know better. And I forgive myself for not seeing that I forgive myself for whatever it is that it, it, you know, is the block and also allowing and acknowledging that guilt and shame had value in getting to the next place. Right. Thank you so much for that. You know, 
I think you touched on a really important point about self-forgiveness because I think it's tied in with some perfectionism. We are willing to forgive other people, but we hold ourselves to such a high standard that it makes forgiving ourselves difficult. One of the things that I really did work on, because honestly, as a child growing up, I thought my parents were perfect and they did nothing to dissuade me thinking they were perfect. So when I had my child and he got to that age, you know, when they question everything and they want to know why and just saying, because I say so does not work. I was humble enough to acknowledge to my kid, to my son, that mom is not perfect. Mom is not perfect. I am, I am literally learning as I go along. I said, you know, back in the old days, cars used to come with a, a handbook. And now they don't. You have to download that stuff, the PDF from the internet. I said, you did not come with a handbook. You know, the handbook for a Honda is not the same as for Toyota. So even if you did have a handbook, you know, I would need, people would need different handbooks depending on the child they were blessed with. I said, so you have to have some compassion for mommy too. I am learning as I go along. And I learned to be able to tell my child I was sorry. When I acted out of character, I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm the adult in this relation and I should behave. I should have behaved different. So definitely we hold ourselves sometimes to such high standards that we just keep beating ourselves up when we do make mistakes and forget that as long as you're looking back, you're stuck in the past, you know, acknowledge it, deal with it and then move forward, you know, and that is part of self-forgiveness. So if a listener wants to work with you, where can they find you? They can find me on my website, myreikihealer.com. They could also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and pretty much every social media is at myreikihealer. And um, yeah, those are the best places to find me. I am most active on Instagram. Um, and that's a good place to reach out and message me. But generally, I answer all my messages um, from anyone interested or has questions. So I got I got a couple of your book, uh, uh, my copy of your book, a Kindle copy from Amazon. Where else and in what formats can listeners uh, buy your book? Hold space, formations and meditations for healing and loving yourself. Thank you. Yes. And thank you again for, for buying my book. It's, um, it is available on Amazon in paperback or on Kindle. You can get it at barnesandnoble.com and you can go to any local bookstore and ask for it if they do not carry it. Um, it is available to bookstores. I made sure that I published it in a way that bookstores could get it, even if they don't, um, it's not traditional publishing, but it is available that way. So I have had many people um, order through their local bookstore and support small business. So that is the option too. And it also is available around the world in that way too. So um, yeah, that's, that's how you can get it. Thank you. I just wanted to double back. I made a little note when you were talking about the gut brain. More and more, we're seeing that some of the things that we used to think we're woo-woo. There is science behind it. So 
for this episode, I actually went to the National Institutes of Health and I will have a link that shows the scientific evidence of the gut brain. Absolutely. Because sometimes, and, and these would even be medical providers like myself, who this is all news to them because why? We didn't learn it in medical school. Well, yeah, so, they didn't know, yes, right? It wasn't exactly. even studied. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even studied. Excellent. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to also uh, throw in that reference in the show notes. So people who are wondering, maybe, you know, maybe the strictly scientific people, there is more and more evidence now about uh, that connection. So my listeners, I call them gridpreneurs. We have come to the end of this enlightening conversation with Michelle Rose Kennedy. Michelle, extend our heartfelt gratitude to you for gracing us with your presence. I never say goodbye. I say until next time. Thank Thank you for being here this evening. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Women of Grit. Thank you for joining us and don't miss the next episode in one week. And while you're waiting, you can catch up on previous episodes of our podcast on your favorite listening platforms, which you can access from our website, womanofgritpodcast.com. While on the website, you can learn more about today's guest and all our previous guests. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review and rate the show to help us reach more listeners so we can continue bringing you these incredible stories of women who have overcome challenges with grit and determination. Thank you for your support. And until next week, remain ever gritful and never quit. It's always darkest before dawn, but light comes in the morning. Take care.